you are just joining us for the first time or one of the first times, we're actually about halfway through, almost exactly halfway through our series called One True God. We're going to spend uh, 10 weeks in total uh, with a few sort of extras added in, uh, looking at who God is, the, the character and the attributes and the nature of God and so this one true God that we we serve. And so uh, the whole point of this series has been not just to increase knowledge, but to increase our knowledge with the, the view that that would incline our hearts or our affections towards God. It would stir us up to, to love God, God more as we knew more about him. And that as we love God more, we would be inspired with our hands to act, to serve God. So it's an increase in knowledge to incline our hearts, to inspire our hands or inform the head, incline the heart, inspire the hands is kind of the, the attitude that I have or the mindset that I've brought into this. And so I hope that that's happened already for you, that your affection for God has been stirred and you've perhaps considered God in new ways or considered God again in uh, ways that you previously have done, but perhaps haven't looked at for a long time. And so I really hope that that's been the case and, and pray that that's been the case and we'll continue to do so. We've got this week and then next week, Andy's going to bring us kind of a, a bridge uh, talk uh, that's going to bridge this first half where we've looked at the incommunicable attributes of God, the, the attributes of God that are unique to him. And then in the back half of this series, so the, the following five weeks after half term, we're going to look at attributes of God, aspects of God's character that we are called to reflect as human beings and as followers of Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> this morning, we're going to look at the last two incommunicable attributes of God. And they're things, again, that can only be said of God. Only God is these things. And we're reaching a point actually this morning that we've been building towards. You could say that the, the last four weeks have been leading up to this moment. And we've got a little bit of work to do before we get there. But I want to ask you a question. First of all, do you recognize this picture? Does it evoke a particular scene in your mind? You may uh, may not have seen the film, but this is a clip or a, not a clip, but a, a, an image from Cool Runnings. Uh, and there's a, a, the young man in the backwards cap has been um, sort of shamed effectively in, the, in a public arena. And he's just walked away quite sheepishly and his friend and teammate confronts him and takes him into the bathroom and says, uh, what do you see when you see in the mirror, when you look in the mirror? And he's, you know, sort of, he, his friend has a low opinion of himself. And so the, the, the guy with bald hair and the scarf, he says, I see pride, I see power. And I won't finish the quote, but he says, I, you know, I see someone who's, who's a tough guy who's got, who's, um, and he starts expounding on all of the great things that he sees in his friend. And I wonder if you look in a mirror, what do you see? What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see what is it that you feel most about yourself? And I wonder when you look at an old photo of yourself, what do you think? Do you think how, what's your opinion, your view of yourself? I, I, there are some photos that have disappeared into the ether of when I was young and fit and, you know, muscular, um, but they, they don't exist. So Megan, who didn't know me at the time, says that she suspects that they only exist in rumour or my, or my mind, um, but they are somewhere digitally deleted somehow. 
um, which, you know, that's the, the joy of computers, I suppose. But what comes to your mind when you look at yourself in the mirror? What comes to mind when you think about God? The uh, impact and crash of all oh, sort of mostly received. If you haven't received one, you can get in touch with the office and we'll get one to you. But would have received this week or in the next few days a pack uh, sort of for them to look at the attributes of God. And it, on the front, it's got a quote from uh, A.W. Tozer, who Andy's referenced a few times and who books we've used in preparation for this series. And it says, when we think about God, what comes to mind is the most important thing about us. Words to that effect. When we think about God, what comes to mind is the most important thing about us. It's because our relationship to God, how we think about God and interact with God is so important. When we look towards God, we should realize that only God is infinite and incomprehensible, self-existent and self-sufficient, eternal and immutable, omnipresent and omniscient. When we realize that only God is those things, it should crystallize for us and go, well, that, that means that God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. And because of that, he should be in charge. He should be. He's the only one who's qualified to be in that position of authority because he knows everything because he doesn't need anything from anyone else he is the one who's qualified for that position so we're going to look this morning at the fact that god is only god is all-powerful only god is omnipotent and god is sovereign so he's all-powerful and he has absolute authority now, we have the word sovereign. The Queen is the sovereign of uh, England or the UK. But um, God is sovereign over all. But first of all, we're going to look at the fact that God is omnipotent. And what does this mean? God is all powerful. And he talked last week about omni being all. And so that the second half of that omnipotent is potent power. God is all powerful he is almighty. Tim Challies puts it like this. God is able to do all his holy will. He exercises complete power over his creation and rules as sovereign. God has the power to do everything he desires to do. And he does so in perfect wisdom and goodness. He does things in the best possible way for the best possible outcome. The Bible puts it like this in Hebrews uh, one. It says long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. In Revelation 4, it says this, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And Job, reflecting on God, says, I know is Job speaking of God says, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. By God's will, 
things were created and existed, that he and exists. He upholds the universe. The universe is held together by the word of God's power. The word of his power. Job, looking at God, says, I know you can do all things and none of your plans, none of your purposes can be thwarted. God's plans and purposes he is able to fulfill. He is powerful to fulfill that. He has all power. So what he wills to do, he can do. No, no one and nothing can stop him. There are many verses we could have gone on for an hour of just listing different verses that talk about the power and the authority of God. By his word and will, all things are created and upheld. He can do all things and none of his purposes will be thwarted. So does this mean God can do anything? You may have heard uh, something like along the lines of if God can do anything, can he make a rock that's so heavy that he can't lift it? Well, this is where it's important. We haven't said God can do anything. What we've said is God is all powerful. God cannot act in a way that would contradict his nature or himself. He cannot sin. He cannot lie. He cannot change in his nature. He cannot act in a way that is inconsistent with his holiness. So coming back to the rock thing, there is probably a way that you could get around it where you could say Jesus as God on the earth wouldn't have been able to lift a number of rocks. But we don't want to get into drawn into those kinds of things. We're not talking about silly little things like this. We're saying God is all powerful that what God's will is and his plans and his purposes, he is completely able to fulfill those. So he's not just a God of good intentions, unable to fulfill what he's promised. He's not just a better battery. He's not like, you know, you see those adverts, they'll probably be coming up a lot as it's coming towards Christmas and inevitably there'll be a, a rush on good batteries, but he's not just like an energizer bunny times two that is just a better battery. He is all powerful. His power never runs out. We looked a few weeks ago at the fact that God is self-sufficient. He, he doesn't drain like a battery. His resources are limitless. His power has no waning. It's not like he was strong in the beginning when he created the world and now he's diminished and he's not quite able to do what he was once because he's grown weak. His, he has all power and it never runs out. He's never weakened or diminished, as I said. What could we compare the power of God to? This is, it can be hard to grasp this. In Psalm 93, the psalmist compares it to the sea. The, the, it says this, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring, mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. That's Psalm 93, verses three and four. And if we take the sea as an example, I think that's a good example to use. The sea is so powerful. I think we're one of sort of the only or sort of more recent generations have enjoyed the sea in previous uh, civilizations and generations. The sea has actually been something to be feared. I mean, terror comes from the sea. How horrific that there's these huge waves that can crash and destroy a whole village in one, one moment. 
actually we you know we like to paddle around don't we and the sea is enjoyable so feel free to do that but my wife and I we used to like watching a, a show called Deadliest Catch which was about uh, crab fishermen in the Alaskan sea and uh, well the, the sea between Alaska and Russia and um, as you can see in this picture here if you can see it well enough there's uh, ice has frozen onto the boat this is so cold that the spray from the sea freezes to the boat and if you're not quick to deal with it you can the boats actually can sink because of this freezing spray so there's these huge waves it's so cold ships have been lost it's called deadliest catch because of the number of people who used to uh, die in that job in in working in that industry and they changed the industry slightly to make it safer um because they used to sort of push themselves to the absolute extreme it's a an interesting show fascinating uh, watch if you ever get the chance to do so but when we look at the power of the sea of the the chaos that it can create of the the sheer force when you think of a tsunami or a tidal wave those those just absolute amazing displays of power, the Bible says that those display a fraction of the outskirts of God's power. The power of the sea, which cannot be tamed by human beings. The, the Titanic, which is obviously very famous, but the, the point of that was that it was the unsinkable ship. It was human beings had tamed the sea. Actually, we cannot tame the sea and God is so much more powerful than that he's infinitely more powerful and not only is God all powerful but he has absolute authority God is sovereign and this is where we've been building towards in these first five weeks really because when we look at all of these different aspects of God's character and his nature that we we must say that this is the right place for him to be, the best place for God to be, the only logical, just place for him to be is on the throne, ruling and reigning over creation. Colossians 1 says this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. J.I. Packer in his book, Concise Theology, says that God's dominion is total. He wills as he chooses and he carries out all that he wills and none can stay his hand or thwart his plans. Bruce Ware in his book, Big Truths for Young Hearts, which if you're a parent, I'd recommend getting this book to you. It's a fantastic little thing uh, to work through uh, with your children. I mean, even if you're not a parent, it's a good, good, good read anyway. But he says this, to create something is to own it and to own it is to have the right to rule over it. Since God has created all that is, he alone is the rightful owner and ruler of everything. This is a repeated image throughout the Bible that God is seated on a throne, that he rules over creation. In Isaiah 6, it begins by saying, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. I saw the Lord seated on the throne. In 1 Samuel, when uh, the Israelite people 
say we want a king we want to be like every other nation samuel the prophet is upset because he feels like they've rejected him and god says no they've rejected me i was their king and they've rejected me they what they want their king of their they want a human king when they had god as their king the book of revelation john's revelation of jesus it's it centers largely around the throne that jesus occupies the throne that the lamb is on and that should give us future confidence that that's where Jesus is now. He's not still in that barn as a baby. He's not still nailed to a cross. He is seated on the throne now, ruling and reigning, bringing all things into submission underneath him. We can have confidence in how the story ends. I don't know if you're like this, but uh, on occasion, uh, someone who's very close to me will uh, look up what happens at the end of a film in or, or a series in order to sort of release a little bit of the tension of what's happening. I was guilty of this myself recently in watching a film called Gifted uh, about a young girl who's separated from her carer and what's going to happen and all this sort of thing. And I had, to, I, I had to look it up because I was so invested that I had to see how it was going to end in order to sort of ease the stress of watching this film. But, we can live with an eased stress. We don't have the, oh, is it all going to work out? Oh, I'm nervous. I feel worried. What's going to happen? We know how it ends. We know how the story ends. The story ends with Jesus victorious, with his bride perfected, the church, us perfected. We've looked previously and we see in the verse mentioned that God creates and sustains everything in existence. And therefore, he has authority over those things. God's absolute rule can be difficult for us to understand, especially in times like now where there's difficulty all around us in the world. And if, if we don't have that confidence in how it's going to end in the fact that if, if God is on the throne and we don't know him, that, sh that should be a terrifying thing for us. If we don't really know what he's like, if we're if there's question marks over, is he a good God? Well, I'm not sure. If you're not sure, this is terrifying to you. The fact that God has absolute authority. Strikes fear into the hearts of those who haven't considered other aspects of God's character and nature. But when you have, as we have considered who God is, it's. As I said, we, we reach a logical conclusion. He's, he knows everything. He's all-knowing. Surely we want the person or the, the ruler of all creation to know everything. We don't want a gap in their knowledge. We don't want them to be weak. We want them to be all-powerful. We want them to be able to be everywhere. As we have considered who God is, the logical conclusion is that he should be the ruler of creation. We're going to look at 10 more attributes of God over the five weeks after half term. And as we look at those, they will reinforce this fact that God is the rightful ruler of creation. It's the, the most fitting place for him to be because of his goodness and his love and his justice and his mercy and his wisdom. God rules over everything. 
And as the creator, he has that authority. It's a little bit like a, a songwriter has the copyright of a song. And they so they get to say what does and doesn't happen with that music. Now, sometimes what happens is actually with musicians, uh, record labels, they sign up to a contract and a record label holds their, their rights to their song and they no longer have that authority over it. And you end up with things like this, which is one of my favorite cover versions. I love cover versions of songs. I think they're fun, good, very enjoyable. I like to see it when they're very, so different. And you end up with something like this, where the guy, you can see in the hat there, the fedora and acoustic guitarist, Jason Mraz, who covered a song by the Ramones who are on the other side, who are not fedora wearing acoustic guitar, playing uh, chaps. They're sort of a bit more rocky. But they've got a favorite song, uh, a famous song called Blitzkrieg Bop. Uh, it's I, oh, let's go. Uh, it's sort of like real sort of pumping, aggressive. Uh, and Jason Mraz does a cover of that in his acoustic style. And it's very interesting because there's, they're poles apart. They're completely different songs. Um, but the songwriters have authority over the song. Often, if you're uh, trying to upload something onto YouTube, We've played, uh, we've had things, instances where actually in moving to church online, that there's issues around copyright. You're not allowed to do that with my song. Now, no, no one's actually said that, but it's just almost YouTube has automatically enforced those laws or rules. But God has absolute authority over the, his creation. And so he can say, you're not allowed to do that with my creation. You, you must stop. Now, God rules over everything good and bad, ease and difficulty. And the Bible teaches clearly that God, he has that absolute rule. But he's also given some of his creatures the ability or his creations, the ability or agency to act in ways that they are responsible for. We get to we are responsible for our actions because of the, how God has created us. And even, but even when we act in disobedience to him, even when we don't follow what God would want us to do, he is able to act in sovereignty over that. His will is not frustrated by our disobedience. He sovereignly overrules the evil or bad plans or actions to achieve his good and perfect plans and purposes. God rules over good and bad, ease and difficulty. Perhaps the most famous instance of this is the story of Joseph, which I'm sure many of us would know Joseph in his Technicolor dream coat. Perhaps you've seen that. But the, the story that, that happens here is that Joseph, his brothers are jealous. They sell him into uh, slavery. And through many hardships, Joseph actually becomes uh, one of the key people in the in the nation of Egypt and then his brothers come to him in a time of famine and he's able to to save them and his rest of his family because of what happened and he says this he says as for you you meant evil against me but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today we can have confidence that God is at work for our good and his glory and his plans cannot be thwarted this should bring us comfort in the face of difficulty because we know even when it's hard, God is at work. 
And this is this is a difficult teaching for us to accept. Because constantly we're discipled by the world. And I use that word quite deliberately. You are bombarded daily, minute by minute, hour by hour with the aim of the world. The aim of your life should be your happiness. That's what you should be pursuing. There's a film, The Pursuit of Happiness. That's all. I think it's in the American Constitution. That's the God-given right of every person is to pursue happiness. God is more concerned with your holiness than your happiness. And so sometimes God uses the disobedience of others and even ourselves to, to bring discipline to us, to refine and shape us towards holiness. The direction that followers of Jesus travel in is not just into the world on mission, but through the world on a pilgrimage towards holiness. That day by day, hour by hour, second by second, sometimes we're being shaped and refined and chiseled into holier people. Now, if you on a journey towards holiness, happiness will be inevitable. Joy, maybe even. But God is more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. That's a difficult thing for us to perhaps accept. But once we do, it provides comfort and it means that difficult circumstances have purpose rather than just being difficult for the sake of it. God has absolute authority, but he has delegated to human beings to have authority. But all human authority is delegated from God. Romans 13 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. The default position of the Christ follower should be to live in submission to the earthly authorities that God has put in place. There is an exception to this, and that's when those authorities uh, are instructing people or forcing people to do things in contrast to what God desires for them. When they're instructing people to act in contradiction to the commands of the Bible. And we see this, a best example of this, I think, is in Acts, um, where Peter and John are told not to preach the gospel. Don't, you mustn't, they're brought before the, the authorities and they said, you mustn't go and, and preach anymore about Jesus. You mustn't go and declare this name anymore. And they say, who are we going to listen to, you or God? So the default position should be to be in submission to the authorities. That God is sovereign is good news. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 97, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him, but righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Whilst Joseph is one of the most famous stories about something that seemed to be, in, evil was intended for him, but actually good came from it. That's a picture of Jesus, that what was perceived or what was intended as harm to him by those who were jealous of him, who uh, were the religious authorities at the time, who put him to crucifixion, 
actually God used that for good, that many people might be alive as they are today, that you and I might have new life through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And even in that, we see, even in Jesus' crucifixion, we see the authority that he had. In John 10, Jesus said this of his own life. He says, no one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. This charge I've received from my father. And when he's before Pilate, who has the authority to have him crucified or not, Jesus says this, you would have no authority over me at all if it wasn't given to you from heaven. Only God is all powerful and has absolute authority, even over sin and death. Only God is all powerful and has absolute authority. But we are weak and rebellious. We have a tendency towards rebellion. We don't want, we want to buck against authority. We don't want to do what we're told. Wet paint, don't touch. Is it really wet? I'll just test. Oh yeah, no, it is. Don't walk on the grass. Why are there footprints there? We have a tendency towards rebellion and we're weak. We need the power of God. I can do it. I can do it this time. I, I just put in a bit more effort. Oh, failed again. We need the power of God. We needed it to save us and we need it to continue following Jesus. We need it in order to serve God. The good news is that we can be filled with the power of God and we can exercise the delegated authority of Jesus. God's power is available to you today. Acts 1.8 says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll receive power to be my witnesses. God can empower you to be a witness for him, to, to tell of all that he's done and doing. And his power can bring you freedom or sustain you in difficult times. If you need help this morning, if you know I'm weak and I need help, or you just think, this is hard, I need help. Psalm 121 tells us where to look to for help. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The one who is all powerful and has absolute authority. So I want to finish by praying a prayer over us that Paul uh, prayed for the church in Ephesus. Uh, which comes from Ephesians 3. Uh, and then there's going to be opportunity while, I, while I'm reading that and while I pray for us, uh, if you want to respond to one of these things, if you say, I, I know I need to submit to the authority of God. I, I've rebelled against God's authority in my life. I'm, I'm trying to be my own king or queen. I need to submit to the throne of God. Or if you need to experience the power of God in your life to be a witness to others. You say, God, I want to have that power, the confidence to share the good news. Or if you want to pray, if you want to receive the power of God for healing in your life, whether that's physical or emotional, then you can type uh, 
that in the chat window. So I just say just say prayer, and then in the chat window, in the chat rooms, the breakout rooms that you go into, you can talk to the people that are there, and you can say, I want prayer for uh, submission to. I need to submit to God's authority. Uh, I need I need healing, or I want to be a witness for Jesus. I want to be empowered to do that. But I'm going to pray uh, this prayer over us, which Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, and then we'll finish. For this reason. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant us to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, Father, I pray that we would know the surpassing love of Christ Jesus. We would know the comfort of you on the throne, the confidence that that gives us in the middle of difficult circumstances where there's confusion, uh, as was prayed earlier, that the rules that change almost weekly, and we, we say, who knows what to do? Who knows what to do? But you know, Lord, and you are at work with your might and power acting in the world to bring about your glorious and gracious purposes and plans. And so we do trust you in the middle of difficult times because we know you are all powerful and have this absolute authority that none of your purposes can be thwarted. And so we pray, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit again, that we might all be better witnesses, more empowered witnesses for you, that we might all know more of you in our heads, that our hearts might be more inclined to love you and that our hands would be inspired to serve you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.